everyone, and welcome to Minute 74 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Erica Deutsch from the Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Thank you, thank you. I'm, 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 not, I'm not dying easy. I'm, I'm dying hard getting through this week. <laughs> just uh you know stay away from those rvs right you, ne- you never know what's going to happen to them <laughs> so minute 74 begins with uh lights coming from the distance and ends with the rv approaching in a an overhead shot so uh yesterday we we ended things with the uh with with uh, the swat guys uh unsuccessfully trying to both uh pick the locks and use a blowtorch to open the locks. And in the end, what uh, they decided to do, the SWAT commander decided to send in the car. Now, we don't know what that is, but what we saw was uh, huge headlights coming towards the screen. And today's minute continues with that. We basically get the, the, the shot continues and, you know, we see these lights getting closer and closer to us. And trying to find out what uh, what it is, and and I love the way they do it because the the lights obscure what it is that we're supposed to be seeing. You know the way that it's shot. You know the the because the, the lights basically blind us from seeing what's behind those lights. And I I think it's done really really well, the way that they do it. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it's it's they're trying to make it into like this big reveal. We have you know we have the SWAT guy at the end of the last minute saying send in the car, send in the car, and then we just see you know this. We're looking and we're like, oh, I you know I, it's so bright I can't see. What is this? They're trying to make it into this really huge thing. Yeah. Which I have to say, I don't know that the build up matches the reveal. No, the RV, it doesn't. I gotta say, it doesn't. <laughs> it's really it does, not it, that big of a deal. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. But but it's nice to do it. And I love how they they have some of like the police cars you know like pull out and drive away. You know, they're, they're, yeah. you know, they have them move their, move their cars. Stand aside, stand aside, make way. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Just yeah. move your, move the car out of the way in order for us to, 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 to get back, you know, to get by. And so the, you know, the, and the music is great here also, you know, it, it keeps up, the music keeps uh, uh, re- going higher and higher in order to like raise more tension you know, to, to what's going to happen here. We don't know yet what's going to happen. So how are they raising tension and stuff like that? And then we, we get another shot of the SWAT guys, uh, an internal shot looking outwards of the SWAT guys uh, trying to still weld in and get through it. And then we, we see Uli, you know, uh, taking his gun and pointing it at them, you know, aiming and shooting. And he shoots one of them. Now, what's funny is, is the if if you if you pay attention, the he shoots from the left hand side, okay, and it looks like he hits the guy on the right, but in the external shot, he actually hits someone on the left. Do you know? You see what I'm talking about? I'm trying it. Let's see. So he's shooting. There's that guy there. He shoots him. Hmm. Hard to tell. Yeah. 
No, I mean, again, it doesn't really make a difference because apparently, you know, we, we get one guy who's shot in the arm and then the, the, the commander, I guess, runs over to him and then, and then Eddie rolls out and starts shooting and, and he hits the, you know, the, the welder. Now, the great part about them hitting the guy with the welder, the holding the welder, and I don't know if you noticed this, but there's blood on the glass right yeah, before, I saw that. you know, it's like, did the squib go off too early? <laughs> or did this could go off exactly at the point where, you know, where he gets shot. It, it's really close. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah, there should have, the, the the glass should break before there's blood. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. whatever, it's still great. And then yeah. we, we hear, like, yelling and screaming over the, over the radio. And then the SWAT commander goes, Rivers, Rodriguez, report. And, uh, you know, obviously they're just hearing screaming, uh, you know, which, which again goes back to what we were saying earlier in the week about, you know, these guys are crying like babies. I mean, I'm not saying that, that it doesn't hurt to get shot. <clears throat> There's no question about that. I'm sure it really does hurt them. But the way that they're portraying these characters is, you know, they're, they're getting shot and they're crying like babies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it really feeds into, like, the larger thing of that the police in this movie are, you know, not taking it seriously, not prepared, uh, that they've never dealt with something like this before. And they think they're ready for something like this, but they're not, you know, the guy getting caught on the rose and, you know, the nonchalance of like, eh, you know, don't worry about it, it's panic fire. Like, you know, they have the confidence of a, of a group that, feels that they are trained and well-prepared, but has never actually gone through it. And now that they're actually going through it, they're finding out they're in over their heads. Yeah, that's right. That's true. And, you know, I, and I think it's on numerous levels. It's not just at a command level. It's also on the, on the lower level of yes, the guys, absolutely. you know, of the guys actually doing the, the work itself. So, yeah, they, 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 they do a nice job of that. And then, you know, we, we, we hear them screaming in pain, and then the the shot changes. You know, first of all, I, I before the shot changes, if you look at if you look behind the SWAT commander, you have the the other SWAT guy there, who who's the guy who I mentioned it plays Ricky in the third uh, uh, Die Hard movie. He's got this really strange look on his face. You know, he's like gritting his teeth. If you look at second eighteen, you'll see yeah, what I'm talking about. Is right. The guy on the right. Or yeah, yeah, sorry. Screen, right? yeah. Yeah, the guy on the screen right. Yeah, yeah. He's like gritting his teeth. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's the maybe he's the one who, you know, specifically trained these four, you know, and uh so it's a reflection on his uh training skills that they're failing. That is very possible. That's definitely very possible. And then then the shot changes and we get another shot of our good friend uh Theo. He's he's sitting there and he goes, "Whoa! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are we here, gentlemen?" The police have themselves an RV, southeast corner. <laughs> he could he say it more dorkily? I, he sounds like Professor Frank from The Simpsons when he says this line. <laughs> the police have themselves an RV. Uh. <laughs> but but it's so funny the way that he does it. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I nonchalant, agree. totally very, nonchalant. Very. <laughs> and and then we get a shot of the RV, you know, coming close by. You get to see the the driver in it or whatever. As as things are moving, and then we get a side shot of it, and it looks like this. It's this powerful, you know, tank trying to, you know, move it, speeding past everything. We we even go past the uh, 
the the news uh, van and a whole bunch of police cars and fire trucks and everything as it's going by. And you know, then then we get a shot of uh, Franco, one of the one of the guys still guarding everybody uh, on the hostage uh, level. He runs over to the to the window and looks out. You know, which is which is great the way that he does it. You know, this this is a guy who I always say looks like Peter Brady. <laughs> you know, and, and, <laughs> and at this point, we then get a shot of of James. Okay, who we we saw just a minute ago on the roof. So how is he already inside the building? You know, and he's he's pulling a uh, like a trolley that has uh, three large cases on it, and he's getting help from from Fritz. And we see that these it, it says rocket ammunition on one of them. And Fritz brings one of them over, and uh, brings over a fourth one and places it on top as. Uh, James gets into the elevator and they, they start screaming at each other in German. Um, I, I couldn't find uh, any translations for what they were saying here, so I, I couldn't really get an idea of what it is. But uh, you know, it it looks like they're they're both pretty angry at each other about what I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, th- we have our first criminals in this uh, stretch here of this sequence who is not calm and lackadaisical. He's very very agitated. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know you know where the the the, the actor who plays James has been in. Oh, also, don't you? Uh, you, you I no, I do not. He was in Ghostbusters too. He played uh, Vigo the was it Vigo the Destroyer? Oh, Vigo the, Vigo the Carpathian. Vigo the Carpathian. There oh, you go. that's it. Oh, look at that. Ah, I never knew that. Yeah. So and he starts he, he continues screaming as the doors to the yes. to the elevator <laughs> closing. Probably saying. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? And then we get a shot of John again. We get to see John again this week. Uh, looking out, you know, over the, uh, you know, out of, out of the window, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, he's, he's definitely got a great bird's eye view of everything. And then he looks over and hears the elevator as it, as it passes by him. You know, he uh, seems very nervous about everything. And uh, at this point he goes, oh, Jesus Christ. No, exactly. If he's saying it, I don't know if he's saying it about the fact that he hears the elevator going, or if he sees that they have the RV. You know, maybe he, maybe he's uh, referring to Theo's comment about the RV. Could that be? Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, because it means that he knows that the criminals know about the RV, so. He clearly, and at this point, he's the only, at this point, McLean and maybe Al are the only ones taking the criminal seriously. I mean, no one else Correct. is taking them seriously yet. So well, at Holly this is. point, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay, that's true, yeah, Holly is, yeah. Um, so I think the fact that he knows that the terrorists know that they're coming in with an RV means he knows that this RV is about to be a sitting duck. All right, because he has also seen the the missiles. He's seen, he, you right. know, Right. He saw that they have something. And he saw Takagi get shot in the head, so he knows that they will kill if necessary. Yes. Even though just a minute ago, uh, you know, our good friend uh, Han said only one them. Right. <laughs> right. So far, that has not been contradicted just yet. Uh, right. Not with the squad. <laughs> That's true. That is very you true. You know, I realize with, with John being in this shot, I realize that 
I, I requested a week that John McClane is barely in <laughs> this entire week that I have. Yeah, but you got to talk about candy on Monday. I mean, you know? yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not uh, complaining. I got the I got the minute I wanted, but I I never knew that like this is a five minute stretch that he is barely on screen. I don't re- it. I never would have watched this movie straight through, but like I've done a million times and thought that there's a five minute stretch where Bruce Willis is barely even on the screen for five for a five minute stretch. That's right. We 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 get a few little shots of him to remind yeah. us to remind us that he's part of the movie, but that's yeah. it. You know, interesting. Okay, and and then we we get a, a shot, a bird's eye view shot of the the RV coming towards the the building. You know, uh, I now see if they're trying to make it seem more powerful than it is. This is not a shot you do because now <laughs> it looks like it looks like a little uh, you know, uh, it looks like uh, a, a little matchbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is a matchbox or, or going back to our comments from uh, earlier this week about uh, maybe it's a Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, transportation device or something like that. I don't know. But it, it it doesn't it doesn't do it justice by having this. Uh, I mean, earlier in the minute, they had a great shot where you see it like rolling by and you said, OK, it, it is big and it looks like a tank. But here it just it looks very it looks miniature. Yeah, it almost looks like a model, this overhead shot. Yeah, which which I don't think it is. I think it is a real shot. Yeah. Um. Actually, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe it's something that Doc Brown would 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 you know uh, would, would put, <laughs> put together crudely in his uh in his lab. Uh, you know what? It is possible that that's not a real shot. Hmm. We'll have to give that one a little bit of thought. Not really sure about that. All right. So you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we uh, get into the script? Nope. So the, the, the script has a few uh, uh, discrepancies here. Okay. Uh, not that many. First of all, it, it actually tells us, it says James and Alexander quickly load. So here, James and Alexander. It's not Alexander here. It's, it's uh, in the movie. It's, it's uh, Fritz who's helping him. And it says quickly load two crates onto the service elevator and push the button for the third floor, as the car starts down, they remove an anti-tank gun from one of the crates. So in the script, they're already starting to put it together as the, you know, as the elevators are going down. And it's telling us also that they're going to the third floor, which is important, right? And when Theo then tells everybody, he goes, well, what have we here? The police have gotten themselves an RV. James, Alexander, go to the southeast corner. So he's actually, you know, in in the the movie, we don't know who he's talking to. We think he's saying that okay, it's coming from the southeast corner. He's not telling them. He's not telling people where to go. But in the in the script, he's giving direction to to two of his two of the the terrorists as to where they need to go in order to make their shots. So I, I find that pretty interesting that they do it that way, hmm. um, especially given the fact that Alexander. We're gonna we'll see him tomorrow, you know. But but he's not the one who was helping uh, James with uh, taking the stuff. So who knows? Yeah. So that that's all. Those are the only uh, minor discrepancies in the uh, in the script. So every uh, Thursday we have a segment called uh, Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guest will give a little story anecdote about uh, some something that happened to them 
over the course of their lives uh, that are somewhat related to a holiday. So what else have you got for us, Eric? You got another story for us or anecdote? Uh, it, it is it is indeed somewhat related to a holiday. Uh, okay. So my great grandfather, his name was Louis Weenig. This is my dad's uh, grandfather. Um, he owned a restaurant in the 19 teens and 1920s that was in the Broadway theater district, and it was called Weenig's. And uh, it was a very popular place for people that were, uh, you know, in vaudeville and, and Broadway. They would go there, you know, before and after the shows and eat and drink, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and a lot of people who at the time were just coming up, uh, who ended up becoming well-known, would, would go there. Um, it's actually mentioned in G George Burns mentions it in his autobiography that he used to go there. Um, there's some book that has a conversation between Groucho Marx and George Burns where they talk about going there. So it, it was a very you know popular place. Um, and actually, George Burns, when he was first starting out, had no money. Uh, and so my great grandfather was was letting him build up a tab that George Burns incidentally never actually uh, ended up paying. Uh, so the stock market crash hit in 1929 and he lost everything and the restaurant closed and that took care of his career as a restaurateur. So um, the space though, which is on West 46th street in Manhattan, uh, eventually I think it became like a, a clothing store or something like that. Well, eventually many, many years later, it was reopened as a restaurant called bond 45 in the same location. Now I'm sure it's been gut renovated many times over the years. Uh, and I'm sure it doesn't resemble even remotely what it used to, but still the physical space is still there. So uh, about, oh boy, maybe 15 years ago, uh, we were trying to figure out what should we do for uh, Christmas, for dinner on Christmas, uh, since um, uh, we are a, a mixed religious marriage, my wife and I. So her idea was, hey, why don't we go to the restaurant that's in the old space where your great-grandfather had his restaurant? And so we went to Bond 45 and we had dinner in a space that 90 years before my great grandfather had owned and run and had all kinds of before they were famous uh, actors and comedians. In. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Did did you mention to anyone there that, uh, you know, a little bit of the history of the place or not really? Yeah, yeah, we did. We told our waiter. Um, we might have told the maitre d'. I don't remember. Uh, but we did. At the very least, I remember us talking to the waiter about it. Oh, wow. OK. I mean, what I what I did a quick search here it was originally. Ah, no. It, Bond 45 originally was on a different street. It was yeah, on 45th Street. To, yeah, right. And yeah. It, it was uh, it was in the Bond clothing store from 1948 to 1977. And is now on 46th Street. So, uh, right. 46th wait, so, Street is the, yeah. And 46th Street is where we're... Where, uh, when did it, does where it say the year that Bond 45 moved? Uh, it, it's... Yeah, in 1977. Okay. Wait, so one second, the, one second, one second. Yeah. Yeah, so the forty six the, the the current location of forty sixth street, that's where that's where it was. Oh wow. That's really cool. That is really, really cool. And uh, too bad that you couldn't find like pictures on the wall and stuff like that from the uh, I know, I know. Yeah, from, that would have been from the old awesome. place. Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's really cool. So yeah, you have anything else for this minute? Uh no. All right, great. So why don't you tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? So as the co-host of Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute, they're both on any podcatcher out there, and uh, they both have listener societies on Facebook, and we both have Twitter feeds, so you can connect us through any of those. All right, excellent. And finding me is quite simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, 
or you can go directly to my website, moviewrobminute.com. So, Eric, you feel like coming back again tomorrow and uh, seeing what happens to all what happens to the RV? I think I think I can hang around for one more minute. I'm, I'm like I said earlier, I'm I'm dying hard. All right. Well, please don't do that in real life. I <laughs> you know that I'm not looking forward to. You know, I don't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> all right. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay! Yippee ki yay! 